Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to the wonderful world of government contracting. I'm your host, Nancy. Today, we're going to be discussing the HubZone joint venture. Now, this is episode number 71. Let's roll the intro, shall we? I get asked this question a lot. Can a large business participate on a HubZone contract? And the answer is yes, as long as they are a subcontractor to a prime HubZone contractor, then they can participate, but only as a subcontractor. I'd also like to point out Below, we have a reference to 13 CFR 126. CFR stands for the Code of Federal Regulations. 126 is the section that governs the HUBZone program. So we're going to be discussing what requirements must a joint venture satisfy to submit an offer on a HUBZone contract. Generally, a qualified HUBZone small business can enter into a joint venture agreement with one or more other small businesses, or with an improved mentor if they have already had their mentor-protege agreement approved through SBA's either 8A program or all-small mentor-protege program. Unlike the 8A program, the HUBZone joint venture in itself does not need to be certified as a HUBZone small business concern. On an 8A joint venture, the joint venture itself is certified through SBA. Now let's talk about size for a moment. A joint venture of at least one qualified HUBZone small business and one or more other business concerns can submit an offer as a small business for a HUBZone procurement as long as each entity is small under the size standard corresponding to the NAITS code assigned to that particular procurement. So if you're in construction and as long as all the company's size standard is below the $36.5 million, then yes, all entities can. Now, a joint venture between a protege firm and its SBA-approved mentor will be deemed small provided the protege is small for the size standard corresponding to the NAITS code assigned to the HUBZone procurement. Pretty much makes sense. Now, what has to be in the joint venture? What you need to do is you need to go to 13 CFR 126 and look up joint venture contents, and you need to copy everything exactly from the CFR and put it into a document and make sure that you don't modify those sections. And the reason I'm saying that is, is because SBA, if you are ever a protested, SBA is going to look at that joint venture agreement and they're going to go line by line, word by word, sentence by sentence, and look and see, is this word in here? And if the word's not, even though it may not even alter the actual implication, SBA could potentially deem you that joint venture is a not valid joint venture and you would lose that contract. So in order to avoid that, make sure you copy everything out of the CFR as far as what contents have to be in the joint venture. We're going to go through the contents that have to be contained in the joint venture. You have to set forth the purpose of the joint venture. 
you need to include in there what is that purpose of that joint venture. That purpose is for both entities to go out and to obtain a hub zone contract. You need to be specific. You need to designate the hub zone small business as the managing venturer of that joint venture. And an employee of that hub zone small business has to be named as the project manager responsible for the performance of the contract. The individual that you identify as the project manager for this joint venture does not have to be an employee of the hub zone small business at the time you submit your joint venture offer. But if he or she is not, then you have to have a letter of intent that is signed by that individual saying they commit to be employed by the hub zone small business once the joint venture is successful offerer. In addition, the individual identified as project manager cannot be employed by your mentor and become the employee of the hub zone small businesses for the purposes of performance under the joint venture. Next, you have to state that with respect to a separate legal entity, the hub zone small business must own at least 51% of that joint venture entity. Now, there's two ways you can create the joint venture. One is you can create a separate entity specifically to go after these contracts. The other, you can use the joint venture document itself and create a DBA and use that to go after the joint venture. Now, if you do form a separate legal entity, remember that 51% of that joint venture entity has to be owned by that hub zone firm, the primary hub zone firm. And in addition, you still have to include the statement that the hub zone small business will receive profits from the joint venture commensurate with the work performed by that hub zone small business. Also, you have to establish the administration of a special bank account in the name of the joint venture. This account must require all the signatures of all parties to that joint venture for deposits and withdrawal purposes. So you have to establish a bank account in the name of the joint venture And this account has to require the signatures of all parties to the joint venture or whoever they designate for withdrawal purposes. All payments due to the joint venture for performance on a hub zone contract have to be deposited into this special account, as well as all expenses incurred under the contract have to be paid from this account as well. Next, you have to itemize all major equipment, facilities, and other resources to be furnished by each party to the joint venture. These need to be detailed with the cost, the quantity, and the exact name of the items that you are going to be using on the contract. If your contract happens to be an IDIQ or multiple award contract where the level or of effort or scope is not known at the present time, the joint venture must provide a general description of the anticipated major equipment, facilities, and other resources to be furnished by each party to the joint venture 
without a detailed schedule of cost or value of each. Or, in an alternative, specify how the parties to the joint venture will furnish such resources to the joint venture once the definitive scope of work is made publicly available. Now, for a lot of businesses, what I've seen them do, especially if they're in construction, they know they're going to require a job trailer. So they will have the entity, one entity purchases a job trailer, the other entity will supply all the equipment required inside the job trailer. For example, you have the job trailer that can be provided. Next, you have to have the desk, the computers, the printers, the cell phones, the chargers. If you have any walkie-talkies, you're going to include those. So you're going to list that. You're also going to list how you plan to obtain any sources of labor, and we're going to cover that next. So you also have to specify the responsibilities of each party with regard to how you're going to negotiate that contract, how you're going to hire labor that's needed, and contract performance, including ways the parties to the joint venture will ensure that the joint venture and the hub zone partners to the joint venture will meet the performance of work requirements and contained in the contract. If a contract is IDIQ in nature, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity is what IDIQ stands for, or a multiple award contract where the level of effort or scope is not yet known, the joint venture must have a general description of the anticipated responsibilities with regard to negotiation of the contract, sources of labor, and contract performance, not including the ways that the parties to the joint venture will ensure that the joint venture and the hub zone partners to the joint venture will meet performance of work requirements. Or an alternative, specify how the parties to the joint venture will define such responsibilities upon a definitive scope of work that is made publicly available. Again, the joint venture has to contain a statement stating that obligating all parties to the joint venture to ensure performance of the hub zone contract and to complete performance despite the withdrawal of any member. You have to designate that accounting administrative records relating to that joint venture are going to be kept in the office of the HubZone Small Business Managing Venture, unless approved to keep them elsewhere is granted by the district director or his or her designee upon request. That district director that they're referring to happens to be the your SBA local district director. Then... You will have to require that the final original records be retained by that HubZone small business managing venture upon completion of the HubZone contract performed by that joint venture. You also have to state that quarterly financial statements showing cumulative contract receipts and expenditure, including salaries of the joint venture principals, have to be submitted to SBA not later than 45 days after each operating quarter of that joint venture. And stating that the project and profit and loss statement, including a statement of final profit distribution, has to be submitted to SBA no later than 90 days after completion of the contract. It is best 
as always, as I've said, it's best to copy exactly these requirements from the CFR. Let's talk about, this also has joint venture contents. We're still on the same topic, but we're going to move into limitations on subcontracting. For any hub zone contract that is performed by the joint venture between a qualified hub zone business and another qualified hub zone business, the aggregate of the qualified hub zone businesses to the joint venture, not each separately, must perform the applicable percentage of work required by the contract. So what they're basically saying is that if you have a joint venture, then both parties combined have to meet the requirement, not each party separately. In addition, for any hub zone contract to be formed by a joint venture between a qualified hub zone small business and a small business, that is not HUBZone certified, or by your approved SBA mentor, the joint venture must perform the applicable percentage of work that's required by the contract, and the HUBZone small business partner to the joint venture must perform as a minimum of 40% of the work performed by the joint venture. So, if the joint venture performs 100%, then 40% of that work has to be performed by that hub zone small business. The work performed by a hub zone small business partner to a joint venture has to be more than the administrative or ministerial functions so that that business can gain substantial experience. And this is done specifically, this is in the 8A. A lot of these requirements you're going to see are in the 8A joint venture along with the hub zone joint venture and a lot of the other small business joint ventures. The reason for that is, is because they don't want a larger business to take advantage and decide to do a joint venture with another business just so that they can get access to these set-aside contracts. So that's why SBA is saying that the work performed by that hub zone partner to the joint venture has to be more than administrative or ministerial functions so that it gains substantial experience. The amount of work done by the partners will be aggregated and the work done by the small business partner must be at least 40% of the total work done by all partners. In determining the amount of work done by a mentor participating in a joint venture with a qualified hub zone protege, all work done by the mentor and any of its affiliates at any subcontracting tier will be counted. So under the whole contract, they're going to count everything if you are a mentor. Now, we're still on the contents. We're going to talk about certification of compliance. Prior to the performance on any HUBZone contract as a joint venture, that HUBZone small business partner to the joint venture must submit a written certification to the contracting officer and SBA, signed by an authorized official of each partner to the joint venture, stating the parties have entered into a joint venture agreement that fully complies with paragraph C of this section. 
The parties will perform the contract in compliance with the joint venture agreement and with the performance of work requirements set forth. The reason that they have put this in there is because a lot of times people will have handshake agreements, they'll have a written contract, and then have handshake agreements. The handshake agreements alter the written document. In order to get try to get around that, SBA wants everything in writing and everything submitted to SBA. Now, if you don't follow what you say you're going to follow, what's contained in that joint venture agreement, then that can lead to future problems later on down the road if something goes wrong with that contract. Because now SBA has a written document, and it doesn't matter what you said man, um, verbally, they're going to go by what's in that written document. Just a word of caution. Let's talk about past performance and experience. When evaluating the past performance and experience of an entity submitting an offer for a HUBZone contract as a joint venture, a procuring activity must consider work done individually by each partner to the joint venture as well as any work done by the joint venture itself previously. So all they're saying there is the contracting officer has to look at if this joint venture has performed work previously, they have to work at the look at the work that was performed by that JV. If the JV does not have any past performance or experience, then they're going to look at each of the partners separately. Contract execution. The procuring activity has to execute a subzone contract in the name of the joint venture entity, or they can do it by the name of the hub zone small business. But in either case, they have to identify the award as one to a hub zone joint venture or a hub zone mentor protege joint venture as applicable. Now, this is also, these, this, we're, we're still on what has to be in this joint venture, folks. We haven't quite moved on yet. Inspection of records. The joint venture partners must allow SBA authorized representatives, including representatives authorized by the SBA Inspector General, during normal business hours to access its files to inspect and copy all records and documents relating to this joint venture. Now, SBA's Inspector General is basically their IG, Investigation Division. Performance of Work Reports As the HUBZone small business partner to the joint venture, you have to describe how you are going to meet or how you have met the applicable performance of work requirements for each HUBZone contract you perform as a joint venture. The HUBZone a partner to the joint venture must annually submit a report to the relevant contracting officer and to SBA signed by an authorized official of each partner to the joint venture explaining how the performance performance of work requirements are being met for each hub zone contract performed during the year. At the completion of every hub zone contract awarded to the joint venture, the HUBZone small business partner to the joint venture has to submit a report to the relevant contracting officer and also to SBA signed by an authorized official of each partner to the joint venture 
explaining how and certifying that the percentage of work requirements were met for that contract and further certifying that the contract was performed in accordance with the provisions of the joint venture agreement. Now they're going to look at, it's these are still all contained in the joint venture. Basis for suspension or debarment. The government may consider the following as a ground for suspension or debarment as a willful violation of a regulatory provision or requirement applicable to public agreement or transaction. If you fail to enter a joint venture agreement that complies with paragraph C of this section. So paragraph C is actually contains all the requirements for the joint venture. Failure to enter into a joint venture agreement that complies with the CFR. Failure to perform a contract in accordance with the joint venture agreement or performance of work requirements. Failure to submit the certification required. And any person with information concerning a joint venture's compliance with performance of work requirements may report that information to SBA and the SBA's Office of the Inspector General. That's pretty much all the contents that have to be in the joint venture agreement. As you can see, it's quite lengthy and it's very restrictive. So please make sure you copy it exactly word for word out of the CFR and put it into the document and then you can have your attorney do it. But make sure they do not, under any circumstances, change any of the wording in there. Even if it doesn't really change the intent, you never know how SBA is going to deem that. As always, we hope you enjoyed today's video. Please leave a comment, questions below, and until next time, as always, be safe.